Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Book of Colossians here this morning. Uh, Colossians chapter number one. And uh, we are talking about some things that um, Paul is making mention about our um, authenticity of uh, what a true Christian really is. And some of the things that we talked about last week, uh, having to deal with our faith in Christ and our love that we have for all the saints. And I told you I had uh, one other uh, third thing that I wanted to talk to you here about this morning. But um, if you're just joining with us, we, we just started here in the book of Colossians, just going through it verse by verse, uh, teaching what uh, God's word has to say. And the message here for uh, the uh, church at Colossae, uh, Paul was writing to them because they had actually now uh, became under the uh, influence and the pressures of uh, the world, uh, trying to get them to conform to uh, things that were going on in the world, uh, certain belief systems or uh, acting in certain ways. But also there was also a, a pressure of the religious groups, uh, even possibly within this church, trying to get them to conform, again, to a certain system of beliefs that really wasn't uh, scriptural. And so Paul really kind of talks about a lot of that. And one of the first things that he raises about that is how we can know what true Christianity really is. Um, and it's the fact that uh, they have their faith in Christ. And uh, that's one of the first things that we talked about, uh, that a gospel-shaped Christian has faith. And so if you are a believer in Jesus, uh, then your faith is in Christ. It's not in baptism. It's not in a church. It's not in religious things, doing good things. It's not in uh, a pastor or um, any other type of... Uh, religious type stuff, your faith should be in Christ. And remember when we talked a little bit about that, uh, that word faith, uh, faith is what uh, Hebrews defines for us. It's the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And uh, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And so faith is not a feeling. It's not just something that we're just like, ooh, I got faith, right? No. Faith is confidence, and faith is confidence in something that we do not see. Uh, none of us in here has seen the resurrected Lord Jesus, but if you have had an encounter with him, you know that he is real uh, because God's word tells us about who Jesus is, and God's word has revealed to us who Jesus is. Uh, that uh, he is the image of God, that uh, he is the uh, express image is what uh, uh, Hebrews tells us. And so faith in Christ is so important. And if you are going to have authentic, true Christianity, then you will have faith in Jesus. Uh, it's very important uh, for that. So let's look at our text here, Colossians 1, 3 through 8 is what Paul writes. He says, We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ. 
Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed the whole world is bearing fruit, increasing as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so we talked a little bit a lot about the uh, gospel-shaped Christian has faith. And so one way that you can know that you do know Christ, that you do know that your sins have been forgiven, to know that uh, heaven is your future, that you have eternity with Christ, is the fact that you have faith in Christ. Not faith in your good works, not faith in, well, I'm just trying my best to make it to heaven, because none of that's going to work. You must have faith in Christ. Christ. And this is a way that Paul writes to them to show them that the, 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 the gospel that the Colossians believed in was true and it was accurate because it led to their faith in Christ. Second thing that we talked a little bit about was that a gospel-shaped Christian has love. Now again, love is not necessarily a feeling. You know, we can talk about like, oh man, I love pizza or I love this, or I love that. But primarily what Scripture talks about, especially with love, it is in action. It's a choice. We can choose to love. And uh, God's Word says here that true believers, as what Paul writes here, is he says that since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints... Not just some of the saints, not just the ones that you like, but he says that you have love for all the saints. And so a true mark, a true uh, uh, giveaway of a true believer in Jesus Christ is that they will have love for all the saints. They will choose to love, seeking out the best in individual's life, the highest good in an individual. It's that sacrificial love, same as what uh, Jesus has for us, that uh, he gave himself sacrificially for our good. And uh, that's a good way that we can determine whether or not we know Christ or not, is if we have a love for all the saints. And I love the way that Paul writes a lot of these things, because in verse 6 he says, that this gospel that has produced this love, he says it is bearing fruit and it's increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. And then in verse number 8, he tells us the way that we can actually love and love authentically and love in in a very powerful way. And he says it is your love in the Spirit. It's a Spirit filled love. Uh, Sometimes it really takes that, that there are individuals that that might really uh, get under our skin or individuals that is hard to love, but God's Word gives us the formula here, and it is a Spirit-enabled love uh, through Jesus Christ that that is possible. And so God's Word is very clear here of what God's Word does, and the gospel shapes us in faith, the gospel shapes us in love. Now, here's the last thing that we're going to look at here Uh, today. We're going to spend most of our time. A gospel-shaped Christian has hope. Notice our text here again. He says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love 
that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So not only does faith in Christ and love for the saints show a life that has been shaped and transformed by the gospel, but Paul now states that they are rooted in something else. It's hope. And by the way, again, hope is not a feeling. It's an action. The Colossians were faithful and loving because of their hope that was laid up in heaven. They have a hope that is laid up in heaven. I really love the way that Paul lays this out because the reason why they have faith in Christ and the reason why they have love for the saints is because of their heavenly hope. Verse 5 tells us this. He says their faith and their love exist because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. What is hope? Hope is anticipation. A couple, a uh, few weeks ago, um, my wife and I were going to be attending the uh, spa banquet. And so we decided we were going to have uh, Evelyn stay with somebody. And so we told her, we said, okay, you're going to be staying uh, with Sally. And in the anticipation of that, Evelyn was so excited the anticipation of I'm going to go over to Sally's house and spend that evening with Sally and eat little Smokies, right? She was so excited that she says, I'm so excited that my eyes are going to explode. <laughs> there was an anticipation there, a hope, waiting for something to happen. So hope can be an anticipation, but notice what Paul is saying here. The hope that he talks about resulted in their faith in Christ and a love for the saints. He says, because of this heavenly hope, it has produced in you faith in Christ and a love for all the saints. What hope of heaven does Paul mean that could possibly result in faithfulness and love? Let's look at another passage of Scripture that I believe will give us some more insight to this heavenly hope. Interesting enough, Peter actually writes about this hope and describes it as our glorious hope. Look what he says here in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And so, what is this hope that Paul talks about here in Colossians? Well, first of all, this hope is the completed work of salvation. It is so important that your hope is in a salvation that not only saves you in this life, but in the life to come. The moment God saved you by His mercy is what Peter talks about here. There is a process of salvation that began in your life. The moment you placed your faith in Christ, God saved you from the penalty of your sin. 
Romans 6.23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death. And so your sin, my sin, everybody's sin that is born into this world carries a sin penalty, a death penalty, which is separation from God forever. And so because of Jesus, because of His great mercy, He has saved us. And He is that living hope. And we are saved from the penalty of our sin And so if you die without Christ, you will be judged in your sin. And you will be separated from God forever. That's what God says. But see, He has provided a way of salvation. He has provided a heavenly hope for all those who repent of their sin and believe the gospel that Jesus Christ took our sin penalty. He took the death penalty that we rightly deserve And Jesus was judged for our sin. So that way we can be forgiven. That way we can be justified. That way we can have mercy and forgiveness. That way we can have a living hope, as what Paul and Peter both talk about here. So as you are learning more of Christ, if you've received Christ, as you are learning more of Christ through His Word, the Holy Spirit is sanctifying you. He's separating you. He's making you holy. He is saving you from the power of sin. And as a believer in Jesus, because of this hope that you have, we now can say no to sin. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you do not have to sin. You have a choice. Because you have a heavenly hope. Because now you have been saved from the power of sin. The Holy Spirit of of God lives inside of you. And He gives you the power to say no. Titus 2, 11-14 says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the... Blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. You see, one day, whether upon our death or upon the Lord's return, God's salvation's work will be totally complete when we will be saved finally from the very presence of sin. When that day happens, the the reality of Jesus, the reality of our salvation will be made totally and fully complete because we will see Jesus for just as He is. And we will be saved from the very presence of sin. We will be as what Paul says, holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy, holy, H-O-L-Y. But notice a bit of careful wording in both our text in Colossians And Peter's statement here, because both Paul and Peter write that our hope is in heaven. Not that our hope is heaven. Our hope is in heaven. There's a great difference between those two. Heaven is not the ultimate goal of the Christian. Heaven is not just some form of escapism to say, well, at least I escaped hell and now I'm going to heaven. No, our hope is in heaven, not heaven itself. 
Our hope is being able to stand before our Holy Father completely free from sin because of the work of Christ on our behalf. Heaven is not the ultimate goal of the Christian, God is. Our hope is to enter fully into the joy of the glory of God. So if you want to have a hope in heaven, biblically, your eyes should be focused not in the place of heaven, but with your eyes fixed on seeing God, seeing Christ, seeing Christ as what Paul says, who is your life? Isn't it awesome how their faith in Christ and love was evidence? Why? Why was that? Because they had their heart fixed upon the hope that was in heaven, which was Christ. They had their hearts fixed upon Christ. They had their eyes fixed upon the glory of God. This is something that we too can have. If we want to make sure that our faith and our love is evident, if we want to make sure that our faith and love is authentic, then we too only to keep our eyes fixed upon Christ, the hope of heaven. When you have your eyes and your heart fixed on Jesus, it will change how you live. It will change how you see this world. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11 tells us about faith is the evidence of things hoped for. In Hebrews chapter 12, he tells us where we should have our eyes fixed, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Paul will later remind the believers here in uh, Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. You see, those that know Christ have received the new birth into a living hope that's real every single day. It's living because Jesus is alive and offers to transform our hearts, our minds, and actions daily. And as we understand God's forgiveness, we start forgiving others as the reality of Christ's sacrifice penetrates our hearts. We lay down our selfish desires. Because why? Because our hearts and our eyes are now fixed and gazing upon the resurrected Christ who in His mercy has saved us. You see, there are too many people today that view heaven as a sort of escapism from the world a proper understanding of heaven, however, will not cause one to retreat from the world, but into the world. Why? Because we understand that judgment is coming. We understand God's love, and we understand that God in His mercy is saving individuals. And so instead of trying to uh, escape from everything that's in the world, it will cause us to go into the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ has taken on their sin, that Jesus Christ has died for them and taken upon the judgment that they rightly deserve upon Himself. Heavenly mindedness is not focused on a place, but it's on a person. And it should not pull us from the world, but into the world with great love. Great love to proclaim the gospel to others. 
It'll give us the faith in Christ that we need to stand firm with truth against the evil schemes and the deceptions that is in the world. Because of the completed work of salvation, of what Christ has done and accomplished, has the hope in heaven changed your life? Or is a lot of it just the same old, same old? Mundane Christian living. Has the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ shaped and changed your life? Where it's not just a hope in a place, but your hope is in heaven. The God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who resurrected from the dead. Are you a gospel-shaped Christian, or is your hope somewhere else? Is your heart fixed on something else? Here's the second thing about a gospel-shaped Christian that has hope. This hope is because of the gospel. When we think of hope, hope is what drives us on in life. It's more powerful than fear. Hope gives us reason to live. And I'd say that lots of people have hope, but unless it's a heavenly hope, it will do you no good. I think in the world that we live today, there is a hope of, man, I'm really hoping, waiting for those midterm elections to really roll around. Things are really going to change then. Is that your hope? Man, I just can't wait till next year. It's, oh man, I know it, I know it, things are going to get a lot better. Is that your hope? The hope that we have is because of the gospel. Not in the things that are around us. It's in Christ. It's in the gospel. As Christians, we have a heavenly hope. But this wasn't always the case. Before Epaphras taught these Colossians about the gospel, they didn't have hope. How did the Colossians come to learn of this heavenly hope that Peter talks about in verse 3? He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Take a look at our text again also here in Colossians. Notice the connection that Paul makes with the gospel and the heavenly hope. Look what he says. He says that they heard it through the proclamation of the gospel. He says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth the gospel. The message of the gospel is the only source of heavenly hope that leads to faith and love. Paul reminds us of what we used to be like before we came to hear the gospel. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 2.12, that you were at that time without the Messiah, alienated from the citizenship of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But the gospel brought the hope or the promise of Jesus, and because of this hope, they believed in Christ and grew in love towards one another. Notice how Paul connects the love for the saints with the hope of heaven. Why did they have love for the saints? Because of the hope of heaven. How did you hear of the heavenly hope? The hearing of this message requires a messenger, does it not? Brothers, we are the God-ordained means for sharing the gospel. 
Romans chapter 10 verses 14 through 15 shows us that no one can call upon the Lord without first believing in Him. And no one can believe without hearing. No one can hear without someone first preaching. And no one can preach without having first been sent. And we have been sent. We are the messengers to go and proclaim the gospel, the good news that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We are called by the Lord to preach the gospel and to make disciples wherever we go, helping people turn from unbelief to belief, discipling them, loving on them, sharing our life with them, making disciples wherever we go. People will not know Jesus unless we tell them about Jesus. Because of this heavenly hope, it should be changing and shaping our lives to live in such a way that reflects the hope that is laid for us up in heaven. We begin to serve our families, our neighbors, and even strangers on the street in the Spirit's strength. The world lacks hope today. Human beings are clamoring to fill their empty lives with stuff, Abuse, addiction, illness, broken relationships surrounds us. The threat of war, right? There's no hope. People need to know that Jesus came to bring hope. That he is our hope, that our hope is alive. Notice what Paul calls the gospel. He calls it the word of truth. We believe that the life, the work, the death, and resurrection of Christ are true, that they are fact. Indeed, if the gospel is not true, then our faith, our hope, and love are in vain. It's worthless. And we have misrepresented God. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 15 has to say about this. Paul makes this assertion here about the resurrection of Christ. And in verses 12 through 19, he says this, Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. We do believe in the saving work of Jesus. We do believe that his death and resurrection have both forgiven us and made us righteous before the Father. We believe that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, regenerating us, making us children of the Most High. We believe that one day Christ will come again to complete the recreating work that he, that he sealed for us upon the cross. Look again at these other verses in 1 Peter. They do a very fantastic job of conveying the gospel. Look what he says again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he caused us to be born again to a living hope. 
You see, through the resurrection of Christ, we have been born again into a living hope. Indeed, the truth of the gospel is entirely contingent, therefore, upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Christ has not resurrected from the dead, then we have no hope. But guess what? There is an empty tomb. Where's Christ's body? It's not here. Our resurrected Savior Jesus has resurrected from the dead. Without the resurrection, all of Christianity falls apart at its seams. Our only hope beyond this life hinges upon the claim that Jesus conquered death. But when Christ returns and time is no more, we will dwell together with Christ as our Savior and have fellowship not only with Christ, but all the saints, and we will finally be totally glorified with Christ. All of our rough edges will finally be taken care of, and we will be perfect. Our hope of heaven should therefore motivate us to grow in our faith and our love for all of God's redeemed people, because the gospel has changed us, and it is shaping us. So I ask you again, do you have a hope in heaven? Is your hope in Christ? Has Christ changed you? Is he changing you? Are you yearning to dwell with Christ and the rest of God's family? See, as Christians, we should be looking forward with anticipation, with reality. I want to give you something to think about with this hope, which leads me to a third thing about this hope. Thirdly, lastly, this hope is an inheritance that is preserved for those that know Christ. Why? Jesus told us in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't let them be in distress. You believe in God, believe also in me. There are many dwelling places in my Father's house. Otherwise, I would have told you. Because I am going away to make a place ready for you. And if I go and make ready a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me so that where I am, you may be also. But what also, where is this hope laid up? It's laid up in heaven. We have assurance that we will be with Jesus one day because our hope is laid up in heaven. Heaven is the place, as what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Heaven is where we have an inheritance that, as Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.4, that it's imperishable, it's undefiled, it's unfading, it's guarded. Our hope is Jesus. Because Jesus is in heaven, it is therefore guaranteed. You know why we can be assured of our inheritance? Because it is in Christ. Christ is our inheritance. Christ is unfading. Christ is undefiled. Christ is in heaven. And because Christ is eternal, so then therefore is our hope. Our hope is not based upon if we are good one day and not good the next. Our hope is not based upon what we do or what we don't do. Why? Because look at verse number 3 here in 1 Peter. Look what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. 
Did you get that? He has caused us to be born again. Did you save yourself? Did anybody in here save yourself? No. Jesus saved us. He caused us to be born again. So if our salvation began with God, rest assured that your salvation will be complete with God. I love what Paul says about our hope in, in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes this. Verses 11 through 14, he says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So where is your hope at? Is it safely anchored in Christ? If you are a believer in Jesus, is your life being shaped by the gospel? And it shows that because of your hope that has been laid up in heaven. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthian church, gives outstanding, irrefutable evidence and facts about Christ's resurrection. And what he says to the Corinthians is very weighty about their hope and where their hope is. He says, if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. If this life is only about this life, and that's all that you have is this hope in this life, you are of all men most to be pitied. But we have a heavenly hope. We have a future hope. We have a hope that has been laid up for us in heaven. Jesus Christ, the one who is resurrected from the dead. And so is your hope in Christ only for this life, or is it also for eternity? The moment you begin living for eternity because of the hope that is laid up for you, that will be the moment that you will realize that this life is about glorifying our Savior, Jesus Christ. So whether for the first time or the thousandth time, has the gospel transformed you? Is the gospel still transforming you? This is why reflecting on the gospel is so important as believers. The gospel should be our mantra. It should be what we cling to, what we hold on to. It should be what we remind ourselves daily of. Too many believers think the good news is really the old news. Can I tell you, we haven't heard the gospel too much. We haven't heard it enough. Like many facets of a diamond, uh, when we look more and more into the gospel, it reveals more and more of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And we are captivated by the beauty of that. And it changes us and continues to change us for all of eternity. That's what the gospel does. So where is your hope? Is it in a plump retirement plan? Is it in earning prestigious degrees? Is it in having successful children or a successful career? Or is your hope that we will one day fully behold the glory of Christ? Where is your faith? Do we place our confidence and trust in careers, family stuff? Or do we trust solely in the grace and mercy of Jesus? Where's your love at? 
Is the gospel shaping your life in faith, love, and hope? Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.